Hunter Ford here filling in for Joe Catanacci on this beautiful Friday morning. We've got Yael Osowski from the Consumer Choice, our Saturday program at 10 o'clock on the line. Yael, how are you today? I'm doing quite well, Hunter. Thanks so much for filling in and great to talk to we you. We got him on the line or did we lose him? No, I'm here. Oh, there we go. Okay. He just had it slide turned down. How are you? I'm, I'm Hunter Ford. I'm filling in for Joe this morning. I'm doing quite well, Hunter. Thanks uh, thanks for filling in, and great to talk to you on this great Friday morning. Man, you are, uh, I listen to your segment every week, and it's so important that people understand, you know, businesses is, it's, it's tough to run a business. And um, you really give a good perspective in to, to you know, what the demand is and, and some of the problems that affect business owners that are going on all over the country and all over the world. Yeah, and I think one thing that I know you're familiar with, Hunter, is obviously everything that faces the alcohol industry, uh, not only in this state, but around the country. And it's really about, you know, what are the best ways that we can empower consumers? You know, there's this always been this large debate about whether people should be uh, pro-business or pro-democracy. There aren't too many people who stand up and say, hey, let's be pro-consumer. Let's think about the prices. Let's think about the products that people want. And the people who actually answer that demand are awesome entrepreneurs, and we don't really celebrate these kind of people enough. There's so much that we could be doing. I think there's definitely some things that have been done federally or in other states. You know, we hear a lot about politicians and what they're doing day to day. But what about the awesome businesses that provide value to people, that provide jobs, that actually give people the stuff that they need? I think we just need a, a new kind of um, revised and refreshed view on the people who bring value to our society, and we should be elevating businesses that meet consumers' demand. Oh, certainly, certainly. I mean, uh, I've heard a lot of conversations that you've had about, you know, the alcohol industry and, and removing that from the state control. And I think that's part of the reason why bars are shut down still right now, because alcohol sales are over 30 percent, and the state is cleaning up in the ABC store right now. Yeah, it's it's a it's a terrible monopoly uh, in normal times. Uh, it's an even worse monopoly in pandemic times. Because you're essentially handing the keys to the kingdom to the state of North Carolina and its purse and all of these 167 individual ABC boards who determine price, who determine so much about our life. And really, when we go out and we've worked a hard day, do we really need to face yet another state bureaucracy when it comes to that? I think that's where people are starting to think about this a little bit more. They're starting to question the system that exists because, you know, the system that we have now, it's the same with the education lottery that we heard about for so long in North Carolina. Here's a lottery. People can go and gamble, and it's okay because it all goes to education. But every couple of years, that bank account gets raided to pay for something else, and that's likely what's happening with the ABC system. If we were to actually liberalize that, if we were to give more power to entrepreneurs and actually have a sane life licensing system like they have in so many other states that would actually decrease prices and make it easier for entrepreneurs and it mean that you know great innovative companies would be able to offer their products and they would not have to go through the entire churning bureaucracy we could actually have more business more innovative ideas i think that'd be a very good thing for the state of north carolina and for everyone living here well and and you know there's been some reduction of 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 laws that 
well, take a distillery, for example. You know, yeah. it, it was they couldn't sell anything to the people that came and toured their distillery. And you look at the example compared to wineries. Wineries are flourishing. They brought business to smaller towns in North Carolina and Virginia and, uh, and, and now wedding venues. I mean, wineries have grown and adapted. Distilleries now for a little while could sell one bottle, and then they could sell five bottles. And why don't we make a, a, a push forward so distilleries can sell their own product without going through the ABC system and let them create the demand to have a, a wedding venue created on their distillery property? Every other product that we have nowadays, we can order directly as a consumer, and we don't need to have to go to an official state store, and I think that logic should apply to alcohol as well, and particularly with distilleries. I know my friend uh, John Francis Trump, he wrote a book, you know, traveling around North Carolina and going to all the different distilleries, and of course, while he's uh, drinking and having a good time, he's just come face-to-face with all the regulations that are in place that really make it harder for you as a hardworking American or a hardworking North Carolinian to get a drink. That's what it comes down to. And we have to think that, you know, NASCAR was this sport that was invented because people were running moonshine in the mountains and slick, souped up their cars. And that was the age of prohibition. But we have this new prohibition that's still ongoing. And we're in 2020. You know, prohibition of alcohol was 100 years ago. It's really just a, that was in a failed experiment from long ago. We've moved on. People want their products A to Z to their door. Let's make it easier for people to access these products, not harder. I think a lot of people, if you were to poll them right now, I think they would definitely move in that direction. And, and hopefully they're hearing that message a little bit more in Raleigh, too. And there have been great reforms, uh, mind you, no doubt that these have been great. But the pressure has got to keep on going. I mean, even NASCAR right now is restricting consumer choice. Um, they put restrictions in most recently that says that their consumer can no longer wear certain types of apparel that displays the Confederate flag. Yeah, I think they're, they're obviously NASCAR is, is a private organization, big company, one that I'm familiar with. You know, many members of my family work there. You know, it's it's hard when you're dealing with trying to you know, accumulate and attract fans in 2020. And I think for them, they just looked at the positive and negative and said, look, if we allow Confederate flags at our events more and more, and, and mind you, a lot of tracks have their own bands that they've had for many years, um, but we're going to do it across the entire sport. I think it's something that they're looking at it PR-wise, they had to do. Um, you know, there, there are probably going to be a lot of uh, fans upset. Believe me, I'm part of many online forums where <laughs> there's a lot of NASCAR fans who, who are crazy upset, but you know, there, there's a way forward. And I think, you know, we can focus on the positive things that the sport is doing and it is growing and it is attracting more and more people. Um, you know, it is a private organization and, uh, you know, these tracks are private, ain't public property as far as I know, but I do think that that's something that NASCAR just has to deal with. It's the reality of the moment. It's dollars and cents. And how do we attract more people to the sport uh, without controversy? Yeah, well, and, you know, that's, that's hard to do, you know, in, in this polarizing world where everybody has a voice. Um, you mentioned um, social media and, and forums. I mean, people have a lot of suggestions these days. It's, a, it's amazing how much more people, how cavalier people are willing to say things um, when they hide behind the digital curtain. Oh, yeah. We're, we're in a, a nice new era of Monday morning quarterbacking for virtually everything that exists. 
But I think, Hunter, you'd probably agree this is it's kind of a good thing, you know, of our democracy that people are able to weigh in and, you know, we're able to get more critical opinion. Uh, we are a constitutional republic, so we still have measures in place, assuming we don't fall into mob rule. But I think it's good that people are debating and talking ideas uh, more. It's a bit sad that so much uh, is focused, at least from the media and politicians and on Twitter. So I think like one percent of the country is on Twitter. But a lot of people govern because of that and because there's some Twitter outrage. That's really not how you're supposed to govern in a, a large country like we have. You're supposed to you know, talk about exactly the principles and ideas that you stand for, you implement those, and you have to stay very strong. You know, We don't want to have mob rule in our country. That's why the United States is different from European countries and countries in South America. It's something to be proud about, and that's at least something that I know a lot of listeners to The Big Talker believe in. Back with Yael Hosowski from the Consumer Choice. His show airs Saturday at 10 o'clock. Yael, I try as hard as I can to break the system when Joe's not here. So uh, Joe's a pro at this, and he can override things, and he can make this system work. It's uh, The engineer and I have had fun today. <laughs> hey, it's cool. It's kind of part of the back and forth of radio, and that's how you have fun, right? Oh, man, it's it's always a blast when I when I fill in for him on on the the morning program. Three hours is long, so it's got to have got to have good guests like you to to keep the conversation interesting. People don't want to hear everything that I have to say. Um, when we let off, uh, part of the last of what I heard was you, you don't really want to let the mob rule, and we're seeing that in cities. Uh, you know, it, they tried to make the mob rule in, in D.C., uh, out in the Chaz zone, out in uh, Seattle. They've they've accomplished making that work. It, it's crazy what's going on in our country right now. Yeah, and it's definitely unsettling for a lot of people at home, you know, who are watching this. And, and you know, they, they don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And, you know, we can have a legitimate debate about statues and their place in our society and whether or not it should be of this person or that cultural icon. We can have that debate and there are avenues to do it. But uh, allowing people to just run willy nilly in the streets with ropes and tear things down, you know, what's next? You know, they heard that a business owner is not serving these kind of people. You, you hear that this guy's overcharging. Uh, you don't want to have mobs. Usually if there's a mob, there's nothing good that's going to come at the end of that. So peaceful protest, all in favor. This is the way to go. But mobs, especially those that turn to violence, uh, that's something that should be very much discouraged. And it doesn't matter what bad behavior happened in another state, in another city. This is affecting real people in their homes and in their societies. And we really can't condone it and really shame on many politicians that have or they're hiding behind the door, uh, hoping all this will go away very soon. These are things that people do not tend to forget and specifically not when they go vote in the fall. Well, and... and People are supposed to legislate. They're supposed to bring ideas to the floor and debate them. Um, Tim Scott just recently brought a police reform bill, and Democrats didn't want to hear it. They blocked it. Rather than the age-old debate of you introduce a bill, you discuss it, you debate it, it goes to committee, you make some alterations, you get it over the finish line, and the president signs it. It's an, it's embarrassing that our lawmakers can't do their job. Yeah, and it's very it's specifically sad for for Senator Scott. Here's someone who's very accomplished, who's taken a lot of time to think about this. 
Um, he's got staff members who've been poring over books of what reforms can be in place. I mean, if I were in charge, if I was a dictator of this, there would probably be a couple things I would add or remove, but that doesn't matter. We have a legislative process, and I think there were a lot of great ideas in there. And the number one principle idea that I don't understand how any Democrat can be opposed to is the idea of databases for this type of information and statistics on police brutality, you know, on different interactions in the community. That's a good thing. <laughs> Are they saying they don't want data? Uh, that That's very sad, especially for, you know, a native son of South Carolina to be treated like that in Washington, D.C., it just doesn't bode well for for pol- for politics, you know. This it's uh, it's kind of the nasty side of things that most people don't like. Well, what they didn't like is a Republican introducing a bill before the far left can introduce their bill, because immediately the next day they they pass something in the House. Yeah, and there's a lot of ideas that have been thrown out there. Representative Justin Amash from Michigan, um, who's now independent or with the Libertarian Party, had a lot of great ideas about qualified immunity, no-knock raids, these kind of things. And those ideas were not heard, and they would barely let him even put an amendment together, even if he partnered with a couple of Democrats. And I don't even know if it's party. I think a lot of it is just leadership. You know, if the, if the tables were turned the other way, and we saw this during Paul Ryan's term and John Boehner, is the leadership has one way of thinking about it and doing things, and everyone else is, is kind of a slave to that, which is it's very unfortunate because there's a lot of good reforms, a lot of great things to talk about. Nobody wants to put a win in the other person's column. That's the thinking that's bad right now. <laughs> that's what we don't need. We need everyone to come together and think about how we can improve things and not just have yet more ammo in our fight against the, quote, other side. Well, and that's their job is to legislate and to create laws that are good for the people of America, good for their constituents. It's like consumer choice. You need to protect the person that you're representing. Yeah, and that's why, you know, people are elected and they're supposed to be, you know, these are people who are just like you and me. You know, they're supposed to be entrepreneurs, business owners, doctors, nurses, lawyers in the community, and they go up there to represent us and to be like a trustee or a delegate, you know, and we're supposed to use this model to make sure that our liberties are not taken away, our rights are not taken away, and at the end of the day, we can keep more of what we earn. That's what everybody wants from their representatives. That's what everybody is looking for when they go vote in the fall. Everyone's going to have different ideas about what politics is and having those debates. That's very important. But again, if you're not representing your communities and if people are still just playing this game, I mean, I understand that sports are on hiatus right now, but that doesn't mean we need to take up the ball and do all that, the whole uh, pony show up there in Washington, D.C. Well, and I know it's going to be difficult for a lot of these athletes that are competitive, that are used to uh, finding their competitive edge in their specific discipline in the sport that they play, and now they're using their voices in a, a competitive way to, you know, to 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 put pressure on the country to to make changes the way they want to see changes made. There's not a debate on the changes that we need in our country it, it's it's basically like the leadership in 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 the house and the senate which is you're going to do it our way and that's it there's no other question about it all the changes that we want we want and you will do it now yeah and i think you know, when when most people say that they want to sit down and have a conversation usually that's a conversation with everyone who already agrees and it's not necessarily those who don't agree or might have alternative ideas I mean, I think it's it's an interesting moment for politics and society, too. Or it's a conversation where you just sit there and listen. 
Yeah. No, then, then it's just a lecture. You know, if, if they say we need a national lecture, okay, a lot of people might sign up and there's a lot of college students uh, who might need that right now. But, you know, usually th- this is a situation where everybody's Instagram feeds are now being politicized. Everybody's Facebook, if it wasn't before, it already is. You know, there's a lot of people who are talking and getting active. I think the pandemic has not helped things. It's made a lot of people sit at home and spend way too much time on the Internet, way too much time reading articles, and everybody's in their, their kind of camps. Uh, you know, let's think about what brings us together. Maybe we do need to open our bars and restaurants a bit quicker so that people can get back together to the table and actually talk and discuss instead of just talking to the, the choir, as it were. Oh, I know, I know. And, and, and you know, I think listening to talk radio is a, is a, a, a great outlet uh, for people to get away from just what the regular 24-hour news cycle has put in front of you. Now, your show on Saturdays, uh, the Consumer Choice Radio at 10 o'clock, um, you also do writing um, for other publications, right? Yep. I'm um, still actively contributing to a lot of outlets, um, not just in North Carolina, but across the country. So I'm hoping to change the conversation a bit more towards you know, more positive and uh, much more consumer choice, but really trying to stay active there. Because I, I do think talk radio is important. That's why we're here. And that's why I, I love speaking with Joe and, and now with you. <laughs> but it's more about, you know, how can we get our message across and, and be uh, informative and hopefully persuasive? Well, it, it, it's important to have conversations that aren't just about politics. And it seems like that has been the topic uh, for the last several months has has been how good of a job has this person done with the pandemic? How bad of a job has this person done with the pandemic? It's just been a lot of blame instead of not a lot of positive, um, hey, I'm really excited that I can do this meeting on Zoom or I'm really excited that I can get a, a good meal delivered to my house because I don't want to leave. Yeah, that's exactly it. There's so many positive things that have made our lives better that we're just not really appreciating right now. You know, everybody's at home. They have internet, high-speed internet. Everybody's got a connection. Everybody's connected to all their friends they've known since high school, and yet we're figuring out more reasons to complain. But really, if you look at the numbers, we're richer than we ever have been as a society. America's the global 1%. You know, there are so many things to be positive about, and I, I think if we were just to internalize that a little bit, you know, we wouldn't be so angry because, yes, we do have ideological opponents, uh, but these are our fellow Americans. And they might have ideas that we think wrong in the moment, uh, but they have ideas that maybe do work. And uh, you know, being able to discuss them specifically on radio, to read what others are writing, I think it's important to do. And that's the only other way that we're going to improve. So let's always think about the positive. Let's think about that great meal we can get delivered to our house tonight instead of uh, the vitriol of hate that you might see when you log on to your computer. One of the things that's happening here in Wilmington is uh, the Downtown Alive campaign, where restaurants are getting to expand their footprint out into the street and the street is being closed off. And I've encouraged the listeners today to go out to one of these restaurants tonight and, and be a part of this Downtown Alive campaign. Yeah, that's great. And these kind of uh, things where they're using urbanism, using the streets a bit more, these are all like great positive things that are going to change the way that we also think about our cities and our downtowns. You know, back in the day in Europe, you had the, the town square that was centered around the church. We don't really have that anymore. Specifically in the U.S. now, you have all the roads and highways and interstates, but we do have common meeting places. And I think the more that we have these and more people are able to go out and see friends and do so in an open environment, it actually is going to change the way we think about everyone else, too. 
So definitely encourage everybody to go out, patronize those restaurants wherever you can. I guess now you got to be wearing masks there, but uh, yeah, do so responsibly if you can. Man, I am so over this mask thing. Well, just get a branded one. That's all you need is branded branded ones. It's free advertising space is how I see it. I want one of the Trump ones that says China across the front of it. (laughs) (laughs) With an exclamation point. Yes, it better. (laughs) Well, we got to wrap up the program. It's always interesting to talk to you. I love listening to you on Fridays when you're on with Joe. Uh, Yael Osowski, make sure to catch his show tomorrow, Saturday at 10 o'clock, the Consumer Choice Radio. Uh, Yael, always a great conversation, and uh, thanks for coming on The Big Talker today. Thanks so much, Hunter. All the best to you. All right. Thank you. Uh, Everybody, I hope you have a great weekend. We'll be back on Monday morning. Mornings with Joe Catanacci here on The Big Talker, 106.7 FM.